Hello everybody and welcome back to 100 Years 100 Movies. Today's day 30 of the season of the witch. We're one day away from Halloween and today we're going to be talking about horror from the last decade. So our topic today is horror in the 2010s. Now the 2010s were an interesting time for horror movies. Um, there's a couple of things that I think really kind of helped with the proliferation of horror. Uh, one, I think, is the mainstreaming of horror with TV shows such as The Walking Dead. And just as important to me, um, or maybe more, more important to me, American Horror Story, which had this great idea of having every season revolve around different types of horror. Um, like the first one being like basically a haunted house, uh, later seasons having like freak show characters or having a coven of witches or the straight up armageddon and i think this really kind of helped to kind of promote horror once again and the other thing that i think was just probably more important than that was the proliferation of streaming media because just like anything with streaming media and i'm talking about stuff like netflix and amazon prime and um even shutter that i've mentioned which is more recent is that it gives more outlets for horror movies and horror TV. Now, on the movie front, I think Netflix really kind of almost kind of spearheaded because of this need for content um, to really kind of let people go nuts and just have movies be more accessible, horror movies specific. Um, well, any movies, but in, in our case, we're talking specifically about horror movies. And as the decade progressed, you know, there was still... A lot of lingering unrest from the changes of the prior decade and while things might have been getting better some of the movies even kind of hinted at some of the issues that we're dealing with now much like other movies the first movie that i wanted to kind of spotlight from 2011 is one of my favorite slashers and one that i think is um kind of a good example of one of the things that became popular in in the last decade and that was kind of having like these throwback movies to horror and throwback horror movies and that movie is you're next from 2011. you're next uh, uh directed by adam wingard has us follow this group um this family and group of friends that go up to a cabin and are then set upon by these killers in masks and amongst the people that are there is barbara crampton who showed up in plenty of horror movies in the 80s and 90s we then um, figure out that one of the um, the people that's in the home Erin is not what she seems she was brought up as a survivalist and starts setting up traps and um taking on these killers one by one. This movie is great just because it has this really kind of like feel of a 1980s slasher. And just kind of, it. this movie is visceral. Like I, I, I always think of the scene where um, one of the girls is like, I can make it to the car and she runs out and she doesn't see that there's like piano wire just right at the door and slams right into it, running as fast as she can and like rips her neck open. It's disgusting. Um, and there's just like a lot of stuff like that. It's just like this like unbridled like gore and violence at times. And like the twist at the end where it turns out that um, it's Aaron's boyfriend who basically um, along with his brother is killing off their family uh, 
for insurance money. It's, it's pretty fucked up. And yeah, she straight up like fucking murders him because he's an asshole <laughs> and uh, she survives. And it, it, in the end of it, because she set up traps, it even has like this whole scene where the cops show up and sets off a trap and gets killed himself, um, kind of mirroring something like uh, the end of um, of uh, the um, Night of the Living Dead. Your Next is amazing. I, I can't say enough good things about it. I would totally recommend it to anybody, especially anybody that's a fan of, of slashers um, or that just wants to see, um, I don't know, Ty West get beheaded. <laughs> um, but speaking of 2011, an- another horror movie that came out, which I, I mean, at the time, it probably would have been considered more of a thriller or a drama. And one that is hit way too close to home, and I don't think anyone wants to watch right now, is Contagion directed by Steven Soderbergh and starring basically everyone you could think of that was acting at the time. Um, Contagion has to do with this outbreak of this disease um, that ends up causing a global pandemic and the impact that that has on society and the efforts of the CDC and other organizations to create a vaccine. So... Yeah, this sounds um, very close to home. Now, the the disease in question uh, is a lot more virulent and a lot more deadly than COVID nineteen. But just the like, it's like what if you watch this movie again? Or and once again, I don't know why you would because you can. This is what we're living through. But if um, if you were to watch this, it, it is eerie how um, a lot of it is, um, kind of what's going on i i will say i i wish that the governments were as open to collaboration as they are in this movie in real life but um yeah i i mean if i don't if this isn't a horror movie then i don't know what is um and just kind of going back to the idea that horror sometimes can touch on subjects that we don't want to talk about um contagion i think is an example of this and hey if you just want to see um gwyneth paltrow die a horrible death and have her um, had her um, cranium cut off and her brain pulled out. There's that too. <laughs> but Contagion, I think, is was kind of an example of how there was different people. Like Steven Soderbergh isn't a hard director. Steven Soderbergh is a great director, but he does a lot of different types of movies. But I, that really is the only thing that he's directed that you can say is horror elements. The only thing, I, other thing that I could think of that you can, if you stretch might kind of fit into that is um maybe sex lies and videotape but even then there's nothing um, more psychological horror maybe but there really isn't anything there that i would say is horror um but yeah there was definitely a lot of people that were getting into horror that weren't necessarily um known for horror um i'm thinking like this this is the decade that we got like um grindhouse which had quentin tarantino who you know, there's horror elements in his movies, but it's not a horror, you know, it's not a horror director. Um, same as uh, Robert Rodriguez, who also co-directed that movie, um, or at least, you know, they each directed parts of it. Um, and somebody else in 2011, who at the time really wasn't synonymous with horror, although as time has passed, is maybe becoming more, more so. And that's Drew Goddard, who directed The Cabin in the Woods, a movie that I do not care for a movie that I always feel, um, as I've said before, is too smart for its own good. Like, um, 
and and I don't know if um maybe I'm not in on the joke or maybe it's triggering something in me because Drew Goddard also last year had the hunt, which um kind of works on the same level of kind of picking at buttons um that trigger people <laughs> uh, i mean this the hunt was a movie that um people were wanting to boycott before it even came out just because of the idea of what it was and that's not like necessarily what the cabin in the woods is i mean the cabin in the woods is really um this is a movie where we take the tropes that you would expect in a horror movie and they kind of put them on their head but also sort of flesh them out and give an explanation for them and i don't know if having elder gods is basically a stand-in for the audience like yeah i get it but i'm also like hasn't this already been done um i don't i don't know there's this is a headier horror movie there's definitely i mean the third act is definitely (laughs) overkill of gore and that's not a bad thing um and we have takes on you know monsters that you would recognize like you know there's a guy there's a guy with saws in his head it was like oh yeah that's pinhead you know you can there, there's stuff like that in this movie and then of course there's like this running gag of um the merman never being um being chosen and then at the end of it you know you see the merman and it's pretty horrific um basically what a fish man from the Mariana's trench would look like but i don't know for me there's just something i i, I always felt that this movie while it was poking fun at horror and trying to elevate it was just too smarmy about it. I guess. I don't know. Um, maybe I need to rewatch it. I just remember this movie leaving a bad taste in my mouth. Um, not that I was like, Oh, a twist. I don't like that. It was more like, okay, so that's what they're going for. Um, Hmm. And I, I mean, that's not to say that as a horror fan, I have to like everything horror and you can, there's definitely genres that I'm not, as much a fan of or people that i'm not the biggest fan of or i'm not super familiar with but there's just something about this movie that i just never really cared for i i want to i wanted to spotlight it though because um it did something different or something that isn't done a lot because like i said this isn't the first movie to do this i mean scream did it to a certain extent so did um you know new nightmare which are both Wes craven movies but um and there's others those aren't the only ones but um I think, you know, if you're looking for something different in a horror movie, if you're looking for something maybe a bit more cerebral or that's kind of playing with those conventions, then yeah, you know, check out The Cabin in the Woods. And uh, there's that's something that I think is becoming more prevalent where people are kind of playing with those conventions. Um, and this was a widely released theatrical, you know, theatrical release, but especially in the last few years where, um, as I've mentioned, you know, streaming services have really kind of picked up the slack and been a go-to for a lot of people to, to do horror movies. I think that's something that has become more prevalent. And in a way, and this was almost like ground zero for the more recent um, sort of proliferation of a heady um, horror. I'm not going to use the term elevated horror because I don't like that term but um but fuck it you know elevated horror i guess you can you can use it so we're all kind of using the same language um as i mentioned you know there was other new voices in in horror in in the last decade and one of those was jennifer kent who um directed the babadook in 2014 the babadook which is this um amazing like original idea for a movie where we have basically a haunted children's book that 
uh, is almost like a stand-in for um, for guilt and sorrow and grief. Um, this is a, another kind of heady horror movie, but this is one that you can, I mean, you can engage it on that level or you can engage it on the level of this is a family being tormented by this weird demon thing from this book, the, you know, the Babadook. And I, I think that this, there's just a lot of really interesting stuff in this that we have not just the this ele- the supernatural element of the Baba Duke, but we have a family that's grieving the loss of um, the patriarch of the family. We have a child who isn't really able to socialize well, and just the impact of all of that stress on on the matriarch of the family. And um, I I really enjoy this movie. This is one that blew me away. It's really kind of did a bunch of stuff that I wasn't at all expecting from from a horror movie, and also, on top of everything else, um, interestingly enough, the Babadook itself has become um, a gay icon, which I think is amazing. Like, you know, um, fuck yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, Twenty fourteen also gave us another um, interesting original idea in it follows. It follows it is almost like this um, allegory for like STDs, as weird as that sounds um we um this was written and directed by david robert mitchell and we follow this group of of kids that um basically are being stalked by this entity that takes on the form of people you know and it very very slowly like it just walks everywhere um and the only way to get it off of your back is to have sex with somebody else and have them follow that other person and this whole time we have this like just this weird thing of people kind of being followed by this and we don't really understand what's going on and why um, they need to pass this on. Um, but then when you finally see what happens when it catches up to somebody, um, yeah, it, it's pretty horrific. Like we, we have one of the guys who doesn't believe this and this entity reaches him as in the guise of his mother. He lets it into his room and it basically consumes him by fucking him to death um <laughs> like that's not literally what happens but that's kind of, like it's really kind of weird to um kind of get what happens but definitely this is something that's going to kill you um it follows is just this really interesting thing because there's so much death test of what that can really be and also this whole idea that you're never safe because once you fall, you pass it on to somebody else. If it catches that person and kills them, then you're back on deck. Uh, this is just a really, really interesting movie, and um, I think it's just something that was an original take on things, and it was really well done. Definitely, definitely worth checking out. And as I've mentioned, you know, um, Netflix and other streaming services have kind of been a boon too um too horror and sometimes you just find random shit on there that ends up being really worth checking out and one of those movies that that i would that i randomly found on there um and actually i had seen it but i I hadn't seen the movie until i heard um one of the actors from this movie on um chris jericho's podcast chris jericho white you know um the demo god um, professional wrestler who has this pretty great podcast where he mostly talks with the wrestlers but then um he'll also talk with other people and one of the things that he really enjoys is horror movies so he'll have horror directors like Eli Roth is on there like pretty consistently but um 
he ended up having um, this actor, David Howard Thornton, who played Art the Clown in a series of movies, but the one that they talked about and the one that I ended up watching and that I believe is still available on um, Netflix is 2016's Terrifier. And Art the Clown is, he basically looks like Pagliacci, like this clown all in white with um, this little tiny hat on his head and this sack that he walks around with. And Art the Clown doesn't ever talk (laughs) in this movie. He only gestures and it's all through body language that he's able to kind of um, um, get his point across. But Art the Clown is this sadistic murderer. He basically will latch on to somebody and then torture and kill them. And I don't mean like latch on, like literally latch on, but like he kind of targets somebody and then he goes after them until he finds them. And there is some real, this movie is extremely gruesome. Uh, Like I've mentioned, Art, his makeup is all white. His clothing is all white and black, mostly white. And for a good chunk of this movie, he is covered in blood. So it's this stark red on white. And this is one of the few, one of the two movies I could think of where somebody is held upside down and cut in half. They're bifurcated, um, as Eli Roth would say. This movie is really gruesome. It is not for the pain of heart. But I think being able to do an unrated movie like this is, um, it's really great. It's just a great idea on, um, on this, um, or not a great idea, but it's, it's a great way of kind of seeing things that you may not, that might have been harder to track down in the past. And I'm thinking of stuff like that, that gory. It's just, it's, it's so much easier to find gory stuff now. And not that movies have to be gory or anything like that, but sometimes it enhances a movie depending on what you're doing. I mean, I'm not expecting that in like, I'm not expecting a misery movie to be like extremely gory. Although there are some scenes where it, it would make sense. But, um, for something like Terrifier, it, it really works, and it makes Art the Clown even more terrifying. 2018 gave us um, another new person in horror with John Krasinski as a director. John Krasinski, you know, Dwight, I'm um, not, sorry, not Dwight, uh, Jim on The Office um, in A Quiet Place. He directed this movie, starring as well with his, um, you know, real-life spouse, Emily Blunt, and A Quiet Place has this whole interesting idea where we have these um, aliens that come down that basically, if they hear any sound, it attracts them. So everyone has to be quiet. And this is one of those movies where even in the audience, I, I didn't see this in movie theaters, but a lot of people who did would say that even the audience would be silent themselves, trying not to make any noise. Um, and part of that is because there's some, like a lot of the um, um movie itself is silent and a lot of it's ambient noise and there's scenes where people are talking but this is also a movie that within the first five minute kills off like a five-year-old kid (laughs) because he's playing with a um spaceship that makes way too much noise and um gets eaten alive by these aliens um this is also another movie that kind of does this this thing where you only get glimpses of the aliens for most of the movie they talk about their behavior and why they have to be careful you don't really ever get a good look at the alien itself until the very end of the movie. A Quiet Place, um, which actually had a, a sequel that was supposed to come out um, here this year in 2020, and it got pushed back, obviously, um, is, once again, just kind of this interesting idea, this interesting way of 
being able to get horror across and just also showed that, you know, John Krasinski could be a pretty damn good director. One of the thing, one of the other um, things that has been really, really big over the last 10 years in horror has been Blumhouse or, or Jason, um, you know, Jason Blum, the director, the um, producer and his company Blumhouse. And a lot of the movies that I've talked about uh, from the last several years, um, you know, stuff like Get Out or the Purge movies, um, the Invisible Man, the Invisible Man remake from this year were Blumhouse Productions. <laughs> um, Happy Death Day. <laughs> They're not all winners, <laughs> um, but Blumhouse always, uh, much like A twenty four, which is another company that um, has done a lot of stuff in the last few years, always kind of is able to make decent to good to great horror movies. And one of those was 2018's Upgrade, written and directed by Lee Wanell name who I think has come up a lot recently because he's really kind of expanded his um, reach in, in horror. And Upgrade is um, the story of this quadriplegic man set in a near future where he receives this experimental like chip in his spine that allows him to walk. And he uses that in order to gain revenge on the people that crippled him and killed his wife. Um, and of course, you know, as the movie progresses, um, things get more and more out of hand. And I think that's one of the things about Blumhouse is they always have um, these interesting sort of like, how does this really, how does this impact um, society? And not like in all their movies, but in in a good chunk of their movies, you know, they really uh, kind of, that's like an important component of them. Um, like Truth or Dare, I enjoyed it, but it's, it's kind of a shitty movie. Um, Fantasy Island looked kind of shitty too, although I would have probably seen it in the movie theater if movie theaters were open because why the fuck not um but upgrade i think is a good example of one a, a creator progressing in their um in what they can do with horror but also just a good example of what um uh what blumhouse pictures has to offer 2019, I think, had a lot of great horror movies, plenty of which I've talked about, stuff like Midsommar and Dr. Sleep, um, amongst others. Um, but one of my favorites that came out that year was this dark comedy, uh, Ready or Not, which <laughs> kind of has this whole like eat the rich sort of sentiment to it, where we follow um, Samara Weaving on her uh, her wedding night as she becomes part of this um, this rich family who have made their fortune on um, um, board games and, and different games. And part of what they have to do is um, whenever someone new comes into the family is they have to play um, this game, like a game that night. And it could be any kind of game. But um, when she... Um, the game that she has to play, if I remember correctly, is like hide and seek. But what that means is that if she's found, she gets killed. And this is all part of like some demonic pact that these families, that this family did, uh, or that the that one of the ancestors of the family, their great grandfather, did in order to gain um, money and power and influence. And this is almost like sacrifices to Satan in order to continue to have that power. And I'm not saying that all rich people are evil or that they've all made pacts with the devil in order to be rich or anything, but this is basically just a silly way to kind of comment on 
rich this is almost like the more funny take on on knives out <laughs> and this movie is a lot of fun um the uh, the majority of the people in this family are completely inept at being killers like to the point that they have to use like these old timey weapons and there's like a scene where uh, one of these guys is um looking up on youtube how to use a crossbow and things like that and samara weaving is is great in this and i think if she continues once productions really start ramping up again and hopefully a year or two um you know if she continues kind of doing horror movies she can be kind of like she's like an heir apparent to like scream queens um she's great in this movie this movie is brilliantly gross and gory and it's just fun this is a movie that isn't super serious and um is just a, a a blast to watch um 2019 also gave us um the la plataforma the platform uh from i believe that was from spain which came out actually this year on netflix but it, it was it came out in 2019 originally and another movie that's kind of talking about society where we have this prison where there are levels and in each level it's each level is a cell with two people. There's a platform that is lowered from the very top all the way to the bottom, level by level, and stops for like five seconds in order to um, for people to eat. Or maybe not five seconds, like like thirty seconds, and they're able to eat. And the whole idea is that if everyone gets exactly what they need in order to survive there's enough food for everybody but of course that doesn't happen people take as much as they can they gorge on it um people are seen like spitting on the food shitting on it like just ruining it for the people below them um taking advantage of their hierarchy um and it's a kind of a savage critique of society and it's fucking bleak um if you haven't seen it i would definitely go out of your way and check it out the last movie that i wanted to talk about from the last decade is 2019's Color Out of Space, directed by Richard Stanley, who himself was basically a pariah um, in Hollywood through no fault of his own, really, um, outside of bad luck and just being labeled as much. Um, Richard Stanley, who had done um, movies in the 80s and whose career basically fell apart after the Island of Dr. Moreau um, production of the movie fell apart, um, he came. he's come back, he's doing, he did Color Out of Space, which is supposed to be part of a HP Lovecraft trilogy. This stars Nicolas Cage. Um, and Color Out of Space is about <laughs> a new color that um, starts affecting everyone's perceptions and starts changing the people that see this new color and um, changing the, the surrounding area. This is Lovecraft, so there's all these weird, heady ideas that are hard to come across in the movie, but Color Out of Space is one that's able to kind of nail that and really have this interesting take on, on Lovecraft or an interesting way of kind of visualizing Lovecraft, which I think is always difficult. And um, people just as or more famous than Richard Stanley have, de have failed to even try to get that far um, to make a movie. Um, so yeah, so last decade, I think, just really kind of it kept expanding horror and kind of just kept making it more accessible. And I, and I think in the last few years, a lot of movies were really um, a response to everything that's been going on, um, or I should say that's been accentuated since the Trump presidency began. Because it's not like people all of a sudden became racist 
or that in institutional racism or um, bigotry just kind of popped up once Trump came into office. It just, it was like a signal to that you were able to kind of just give in or be able to express those feelings once again with that, with impunity. And, you know, I, living through this pandemic and all the changes that have been going on in, in 2020, who's to say that in the next few years we won't have all these great horror movies that are really commenting on that? And that's the hope, at least, right? That's it for today. Thank you for listening. We'll be wrapping up the season of The Witch tomorrow.